Chapter 5 continues with a discussion of the Korban Chatat. I'm calling it a guilt or a sin offering. The previous chapter dealt with individual people or the entire community who has sinned. And it's interesting, just to go back for a moment to the previous chapter, chapter 4, in verse number 13, it says, Im kol adat Yisrael yishku v'neram davar m'yenea kahal v'yasu achat mikol mitzvot Hashem asherot heyosena v'yoshemu. If the entire community erred, made a mistake, the matter escaped the notice of the congregation. They did any of the things which by God's commandments ought not to be done. So the Torah actually is very unclear about what they did wrong. They did something they should not have done. The rabbinic understanding will, of course, limit it and shape it a different way. But in the Torah, the whole community sinned. And as we mentioned in the last chapter, how could it be the entire community sins? The Talmudic understanding is there must have been a mistaken ruling that they followed. This is known in the rabbinic literature as Par Halem Davar Shel Tzibor. Now, what is interesting about this situation of the entire community sinning is that we have a parallel uh, discussion of this in the book of Bamidbar. In chapter 15 of Bamidbar, verse number 24, even prior to that, verse 22, V'chit tishku v'lo tasu e'kor ha-mitzvot ha'eleh asher diber Hashem el Moshe e'kor asher tzivo Hashem alechem biyad Moshe if you unwillingly fail to observe any one of the commandments, anything that the God has enjoined upon you through Moshe. And then in verse 24, If this was done unwillingly through the inadvertence of the community, so the entire community sinned. It sounds identical to what we have in chapter 4, except that in chapter 15 of Bamidbar, the sacrifices are different. In chapter 15 of Bamidbar, it says that the entire congregation should bring not one sacrifice, but rather two sacrifices. It says, Par ben bakar So you bring a, a, a bull as a burnt offering, not as a sin offering, but as a burnt offering. And then, Sir Izim Echad Wichatat, and a goat for a sin offering. So in Bamidbar, it has not one offering but two. It has the par, it has the bull, but the bull is not a sin offering, it's a burnt offering. And the question is what do we do with this blatant contradiction between the two uh, texts? Text in Vayikra chapter 4 has one sacrifice, sin offering, and the one in Bamidbar has two. The rabbinic understanding is that they relate to two different circumstances. That the sin offering of the book of Bamidbar is a situation where the sin was not any sin, but rather one particular sin, the sin of idolatry. I mention this because what's interesting in the book of Bamidbar, that's chapter 15, and it's preceded by chapters 13 and 14, which is the sin of the spies. Now, the sin of the Meraglim was a sin as described in the book of Bamidbar 
where the scouts went into the land and they came back with a report. And the report influenced the people to the degree that they said, let's go back to Mitzrayim. Let's go back to Egypt. We can't possess the land. We won't be able to do it. So it was a sin. It's an interesting case. It's a sin where the sin is the people's mistake, the people's sin, the people's rejection of the promised land, and in a sense, rejection of God, but influenced, if not shaped by, the leadership. The spies that were sent into the land, scouts that were sent into the land, were leaders of each tribe. So there we have a situation that's very interesting, perhaps in the future we'll discuss this, where first of all, it's a sin of the congregation, but it's the sinners, the not just one uh, high court, or one high priest, but rather leaders of individual tribes. The rabbinic uh, tradition, the Mishnah and the Talmud, deals with this question about do we assign guilt to the entire community as one, or is the guilt to be assigned to each of the 12 tribes? And perhaps it's flowing out of that narrative in the book of uh, Numbers, chapter 15. Now that's chapter 4. Chapter 5 deals with a completely different situation. Chapter 5 has two parts, but the first part of chapter 5 has a new, uh, a new element, a new aspect related to the sin offering. Chapter 5 begins with three, essentially three different situations. Nefesh ki If a person incurs guilt, a person, I would say, sins. And what are the sins? So the first example is v'shama kol Allah, v'u'eid o ra'a o yada, im lo yagid v'nasavo, no. The first situation is a person heard an Allah. An Allah is a public pronouncement, usually has a curse attached to it. And the public pronouncement was that someone who know, who has testimony to help a certain party should come forward and testify. That's the first example. And this, if a person doesn't do it, that person is guilty. You can't say, I don't want to get involved. If you know, have testimony, you should come forward and testify. That's the first example. The second example is, in verse number two, a person touched something, some matter, that makes one ritually impure. That's a very important uh, concept in the book of Vayikra. Uh, later on, we will encounter that. But there's certain things that make you ritually impure, tamay, such as a dead carcass of an animal. Certain rodents can make you tamay as well. Shratzim, shmona shratzim. Or people can make you tamay as well. If you touch a corpse, you become tamay, other, other kinds of impurities. In short, somebody became tamay, and the person didn't realize it. mimenu. The third example, nefesh kiti If a person took an oath, a shvua, pronounced an oath, for any purpose, good purpose, bad purpose, what that means precisely is not our topic right now, but forgot about the oath. Forgot about the oath. In each of these three cases, the Torah says, that in each of these cases, and the person confesses, then the person brings the sacrifice, 
typically the male or female sacrifice, and the person will be absolved of the, of the sin. And then the Torah added, in, in verses 7, uh, 7 through uh, 9, 7 through 10, that what about if the person can't afford to bring the animal sacrifice, which is more expensive? Then the Torah says that in this case, instead of the animal sacrifice, the one having committed these sins can bring two birds. Shtei Torim, Shnei B'nei Yonah. One is a sin offering and one is a burnt offering. And then in verse 11, what about if the person can't even afford the birds, which are much less expensive? Then the Torah allows for a meal offering, cereal offering, a carbon mincha. And having brought the offering, v'nislachlo, <coughs> the person shall be forgiven, v'aytalakohein kamincha, and the, uh, it will belong to the priest, this uh, sin offering, which is a meal offering, and it will be to the priest, as is the normal mincha, the normal meal offering. So in these three cases, the Torah allows not just to give a less expensive sacrifice, but even a less, less expensive sacrifice, three options. Not only dalut, as it's called, but dalei dalut, really impoverished. So what is, this, what is special about these three cases? That's a very interesting question. And here it's interesting to note that the plain reading of the Torah and the rabbinic uh, interpretation are not identical, far from it. Let me choose one of these uh, three examples. Let's take the first case. The simple reading of this, uh, the, the rabbinic understanding is that I go to you and I say, I want you to swear that you don't have, I impose upon you an oath that you don't have testimony which can help me. I go to you personally. But when one reads the Torah, it doesn't actually sound that way. It says, Vishama kol Allah. It sounds like the pronouncement was a general pronouncement. As they used to have sometimes in medieval times, somebody would go to the synagogue, say on the Shabbat morning, and would make some kind of public pronouncement in the synagogue to the community. That's what it sounds like over here. It wasn't directed against me specifically. Anybody who knows testimony <coughs> should come forward. So it wasn't directed against me. It's a general statement. Nonetheless, since I do know, I have the obligation to come forward. But in this case, since it wasn't directed against me and I have confessed my sin, I admit wrongdoing something I did against the other person. I admit it. In this particular case, the Torah allows, demands, but also allows for a sin offering, for a carbon olivioret. Normal sin offerings are situations where it was inadvertent, in the words of the Torah, v'ne'elam. But in this case, it sounds like there's a sin offering, even if it wasn't inadvertent. I do know the testimony but I refuse to give it. But given the fact that it wasn't directed against me, given the fact that I confess afterwards that I did the wrong thing, in this particular case, the Torah has a dispensation to allow everybody and anybody who could have testified to be expiated, requiring expiation on one hand, 
but allowing and making sure that in this case, between one person and the next, that there is the opportunity to expiate the sin.